Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip you're about to hear originally aired on my YouTube channel. And before we get into it, you can leave a five-star review. If you can subscribe, download to the podcast, like and share, whatever you have to do, I greatly appreciate that. Helps the podcast out a lot, helps us reach more people. What I would hope is this beneficial content. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It is Friday, October 25th. It is 4.35 a.m. East Coast time. We're up bright and early today. Get some things done, some Patreon content. Definitely has to go up today. As always, on Friday, we have some things dropping there, as well as NBA on this channel. And yes, the final thoughts video that you are tuning into right here for the NFL Week 8. Only two teams on by this week. Um, that is the only week I believe where you only see two teams on by. The rest you see four or six. Next week we have another four team on by. So with that said, we're closing out the week. We're giving some of our final thoughts. Not our closing thoughts. That will be Sunday morning's Patreon-only podcast. But for YouTube, final thoughts on this week eight slate, 11-game uh, slate. Look, I'm looking forward to it. Or I believe a 12-game slate, actually. I'm looking forward to everything that this slate has to offer. I think there's a lot of chalk and ownership if you use ownership projections on any of the sites like Fanshare or Osimo. I think there's some players who are highly owned and are fine players, but I think that there's other players definitely going unnoticed today. Welcome to the channel. If you are new here, my name is Sal Vetri. I do indeed cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, MLB, WNBA, and the NBA streets. NBA content has been getting turned out on a daily basis. I have projections up on Patreon, as well as a bunch of other content that was referenced a little bit earlier on patreon you can check it out it's linked up down below i believe the hall of fame tier just sold out yesterday potentially we'll add five more seats to that on this upcoming weekend a lot of more interest going there just want to make sure that it remains very very uh, much exclusive but with the nba season starting maybe add a couple more seats because more people are interested in it of course with a new sport i'm um, being added into that tier but anyways you can follow me on my social media accounts linked down below you can hit the subscribe button we're coming up on 14,000 subscribers, and if we hit 15,000 by the end of the month, it's a week, so we have to really make a push for it, though. Uh, uh, the organization, um, an organization will be donating an extra $100 to the uh, initiative linked up down in the description below. It's a GoFundMe for a family uh, that lost somebody in their... Um, a family that lost somebody in their family a year ago. And finally, before we get into the video, just want to let you know about Fantasy Draft. Uh, they are changing the way that... Um, fantasy, they're changing the way that... Daily Fantasy Sports is being played by revolutionizing it. They are using pretty much rake-free platforms. You don't have to pay a management fee. You have to just pay for a processing fee, which might sound annoying, but it's like a 3% fee that you have to pay up front, so you notice it more. That's why it might sound annoying. But what you don't notice on DraftKings and FanDuel is a 10 to 15 to 17 to 20% rake that you're paying. So uh, you weigh the odds there. I think that paying 15% pretty much in a maintenance fee slash tax to play on DraftKings in a way, the rake on it, compared to a 3% rake on Fantasy Draft is a bit different. And yes, obviously, there's a lot more contest and or bigger prize pools on DraftKings. But the reason they can do that is because they're taking more from each individual player who is playing, which ultimately means that you have to win more and you have to place higher in these contests over the long term to actually profit it's entertaining but yes we want to profit so over on fantasy draft it's rake free you just pay for the processing fee they have free uh, rake free uh, packages and you can pay for a couple extras if you want to get money down i do recommend it there's a link down below to fantasy draft i don't get any money off of that link but um, i do get tracked to see if they want to con- continue to promote on this site so that was the logo up above my head somewhere that is fantasy draft you should definitely check it out the main event this weekend and if you if you do if you're listening on the audio version if you indeed rate and review this audio version on wherever you are, I'm going to add it to Stitcher and somebody else at Google Play reached out to me. Wherever you are, if you rate and review and you leave your fantasy draft handle, I will be sure 
to choose three people randomly for a free entry into the $25 main event this weekend. That is all the plugs. Those are extended plugs. Because, yeah, the NBA season's back and we got a couple more plugs in. Come on. It's self-promotion on his own channel. Give the guy a break. But we're here, right? Final thought. Final thoughts. Week 8. Let's get into it. This is a target offense sheet you can see over my shoulder here. And getting into the quarterbacks. And I'll blow it up for all the people at home that are actually watching on the video version and not the audio version, not the podcast version. If you are on the podcast version, once again, welcome. What's going on? And here you go. Final thoughts. These are not rankings in terms of I love my cash game tiers up on Patreon on Saturday. The projections came out today or actually yesterday on Thursday. These are what I would consider just a player pool of quarterbacks that I like right now. And there's going to be one more player I'll probably talk about on this that's listed as a no. Uh, But Matthew Stafford's up at the top. Uh, He's not going to project out fantastic above some of these other guys that are up here, but he does have a very good matchup against the Giants. The Giants are going to be running out Baker on the outside. Um, DeAndre Baker, they're going to be running out Janoris Jenkins on the outside and Grant Haley in the slot. Haley, the worst bottom two slot cornerback in the league this year. Baker on the outside has been absolutely abysmal. He'll probably have to face Kenny Galladay, which is a brutal matchup for DeAndre Baker and a really good matchup to take advantage of for Matthew Stafford. And then you have on the other side, Marvin Jones, who just had four touchdowns. All these guys are at low ownership. He gets Janoris Jenkins, who's given up over 350 yards and three touchdowns this year. DeAndre Baker has given up over 400 yards um, and three scores. So yeah, these guys are, are not great of a secondary and there's not going to be that much of a pass rush if any from the Giants you have no carry on Johnson which puts more pressure on Matthew Stafford's arm he wasn't getting a huge load but like 15 16 attempts per game now you're going to give that to Ty Johnson who's also a better pass catching running back Ryan Tannehill um, I do like this week as well at $5,100 Ryan Tannehill going into Tampa Bay look don't don't break the bank don't put so much money into your Ryan Tannehill stock right you don't have to be spending or putting in 100% Ryan Tannehill in all 10 of your lineups no I know he's cheap I know he has a very good matchup against Tampa Bay who's coming out of the bye but Tampa Bay much more stout against the run so a lot of this could be on Ryan Tannehill's shoulders which might sound good if you're playing him in fantasy but it also can sound bad because lots of bad things can happen he's looked good through one and a half starts I do like his matchup for his individual wide receivers at 5100 and yes the matchup is beneficial Tampa Bay allowing 24 4.1 fantasy points per game to the quarterback. That is the third highest or fourth highest on this slate. Deshaun Watson at 7,100 is my quarterback one as of right now for GPPs. I love stacking him with Hopkins and it's easy to get to him because both Kiki Kute and Kenny Stills are cheap. I prefer Kenny Stills in his matchup on the outside and I also prefer Hopkins on his matchup on the outside. The best cornerback for the Raiders, Conley, has now been traded to Houston. So not only do they have the best cornerback from this team gone, he's on the team that Watkins, Watson plays for. And then, you know, maybe there's some intel being um, discussed there. 24.7 fantasy points per game is what Oakland gives up to the quarterback. That is the second highest on the slate. We saw Aaron Rodgers do whatever he wanted last week against them. Perfect quarterback rating against. Matt Ryan at $6,000. I like this. If Matt Ryan plays, he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, but Dan Quinn said he doesn't need to practice to play and he expects him to play. So if Matt Ryan plays, this Seattle secondary, in my opinion, is suspect. Um, they have not faced the greatest of quarterbacks. And when they are, even when they're playing guys like Mason Rudolph or Teddy Bridgewater, they're able to move the ball um, and produce um, touchdown scoring drives on just limited snaps. And I know Mason Rudolph didn't do a ton, but he came in on a short week and still was able to move the ball for some big plays against this defense. Yeah, so Seattle secondary, I think it's a little bit suspect. I think Shaq Griffin is fantastic, a cornerback that's becoming a lockdown cornerback on the outside. But he'll probably face Calvin Ridley. But maybe he won't. If Calvin really moves into the slot now with no Sanu, then he'll face a guy like Russell Gage or maybe Justin Hardy out there. And that's not scaring me if you, they waste Shaq Griffin on him. Shaq Griffin will not be on Julio because Julio is goddamn a tower. He is taller than Shaq Griffin by a wide margin. So it's going to be Julio with Trey Flowers, which is a big positive matchup for Julio. Austin Hooper has a positive matchup in the middle of the field, the best matchup for a tight end on the week, according to Pro Football Focus. 
So that makes Matt Ryan, if he indeed suits up, a very good play at $6,000. Right now, Matt Ryan, since he's a question mark for me, is right outside my top three. He's right around my fourth interest at quarterback this week. But if he suits up, it's going to be really hard to not bump him almost all the way up to one because of the price savings you get from him at $6,000. His team with a 24 implied team total opened at. It's now off the board. Um, Seattle allowing 21 points per game to quarterbacks. But again, they've played some really bad ones, including Mason Rudolph and Mop-Up Duty and Teddy Bridgewater. Those guys did okay against them, which should translate to a better game for Matt Ryan and his 40 points seven pass attempts per game, um, which right now leads the slate. Jared Goff is my final yes. Jared Goff's in a fantastic spot. He's going to grade out really well. It's a really high pace spot, probably the highest pace you're going to see on the slate. Cincinnati is so poor. Cincinnati still no Drake Kirkpatrick, still no William, ja- William Jackson the third. That's their third and fourth string cornerbacks are now out. The Cincinnati defense is really, really banged up, and Jared Goff's coming to town at $6,800. He doesn't have the rushing upside that Sean Watson and or Russell Wilson have for a little bit more of an expensive price tag. That's why I slightly prefer Deshaun Watson. And I think I actually, I'm just like the pieces of Deshaun Watson, how a lineup fits together a little bit more in terms of price savings. Uh, But Jared Goff, you know the three people that he's going to be throwing to in this game. I do like him. I'm going to make live, if you're listening on the audio version, I have him as a yes. I'm going to make him a maybe because I do like Deshaun Watson more and I like Matt Ryan if he plays for cheaper. And the big reason why is, well, Jared Goff's a 13-point favorite. Like this has Todd Gurley Gamer in all over it. The idea that they get in a shootout here against Cincinnati is not likely. So if Jared Goff, like last week, if he gets in a spot where he might score 25 points, right? He might get ahead of QB sneak, a touchdown to Todd Gurley and Gerald Everett in the passing game. But then the wide receivers aren't using the whole second half because they go very run heavy. That's how this game automatically shapes up against a running defense that ranks bottom in the league, most rushing yards allowed, most receiving uh, touchdowns to running backs, um, most fantasy points to running backs. This defense is very bad. The secondary is very banged up and bad, but it's a game where Jared Goff can get hot early for sure. Uh, a lot of things, though, have to go right because in games where Deshaun Watson is in with a 50.5 total, where Matt Ryan is in with a 53.5 total, if that game comes back on the boards, it's off right now. Those games have a much better chance at shooting out. And if I want to win a tournament, I need like the 303 touchdown game out of them. Jared Goff can surely do that against the Bengals, but there's also a chance that once he throws 20 times in the first half and they're up or 15 times in the first half and they're up big, maybe in the second half, he only throws 10 to 15. And instead of having a 40, 45 attempt game, like I think you get out of a guy like Matt Ryan, he might only throw the ball 32 times and that's not going to have as much upside to win it. So I do think he's in a great spot. It's not to take anything away. We're trying to kind of decipher between these people right here and these players, at this price point. That's the one knock I can give to him is that the, the spread is favoring Todd Gurley and these running backs a little bit more. My other two maybes are going to be Russell Wilson against Atlanta. I just prefer Deshaun Watson for $100 cheaper. I like, look, I like the spot for Russell Wilson, but as a favorite on the road though, which is better. But if, if Matt Ryan plays, it's a much better spot for him, of course. If Matt Ryan doesn't play, I don't really want to get there. Russell Wilson has been the best fantasy point per attempt quarterback in the entire league. And all of his wide receivers have great matchups. KZ in the slot um, is going to go up against Tyler Lockett. And Tyler Lockett should dominate that matchup um, no matter what. And that's very good for Tyler Lockett individually. But trying to get Russell Wilson to pay off this tag and then trust DJ, DK Metcalf on the outside... Look, I love the rookie. I think he's great. He's also going to have a beneficial matchup, uh, whether it's Isaiah Alver, whether it's Sheffield. It'll probably be Sheffield because he's a little bit bigger of a cornerback, more body weight, and DK Metcalf is a huge receiver, but he's not as fast. So it could be Isaiah Alver, which then Metcalf he's, has an even better advantage. Or if Desmond Trufant comes back, he's been terrible. Desmond Trufant has given up five touchdowns in five games. Um, just the most touchdowns from a cornerback this year, and he's played in like two less games than everybody else. So it's a really good ma- matchup either way. So that's why he's a maybe. But when you, when you try and pick between these guys at the same price point, I'd much rather have Hopkins paired with Watson over 
Lockett. I think Hopkins has the higher ceiling with no um, Will Fuller and even the higher floor. And then I honestly rather have Kenny Stills on the outside and his very beneficial matchup over DK Metcalf because I think Kenny Stills can do more things. He can get put into the slot, whereas DK is primarily on the outside. So we're just trying to pick between the pieces there. They're $100 difference. I think they're both in play. I personally like Deshaun Watson a little bit better. Lastly is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's a maybe for me. Honestly, I might make I'm gonna make Kyler Murray a no right now, only because like I'm not sure what Christian Kirk does. If Christian Kirk plays, you can get to him, but then even then I don't really know if I trust the upside of Larry Fitz and Kirk, both of them getting there for a twenty point game or so to win a tournament. Um so I'm gonna take Kyler Murray off of this. A couple of players that I think are interesting, Josh Allen against Philly, obviously a fantastic spot, but if we're talking about GPPs, and I'll make Josh Allen a maybe right now just so people don't get all um, tilted. If we're talking about GPPs, like Josh Allen against Philly, it's a fantastic matchup, but who does he have? He has John Brown. Yes, Jalen Mills is back. That should limit John, Brown, John Brown's production a little bit, but not too much as Philly secondary is still very bad. They're at home. Um, they're favorites at home, so it's not as much needed to use Josh Allen. And this seems like a game where both teams play at a snail's pace. Well, more so the Buffalo, which is going to make this a little bit more slow at home. You imagine that there's a lot of running, not as many possessions. They lose a possession and a half or so each in this game. And it's just a game where there's not as many opportunities. No Buffalo quarterback is thrown for over 300 yards in over 35 games now. I need to win a tournament. Josh Allen to either have 80 yards on the ground on a touchdown and put some things together. But then that kind of hurts John Brown's upside. I don't know two players to pair him with. I don't want Duke Williams. I don't want Cole Beasley. I don't want Isaiah McKenzie. It would just be John Brown. So the way I play tournaments, I like the team and game stack. I don't get to a lot of Josh Allen this week. Can you play him in cash? Sure. But I would rather save money and get to Matt Ryan or just pay up the same amount and get to Deshaun Watson's tier or Jared Goff. So Josh Allen, his price point's a little bit weird. If he was like 5,800 this week, like he has been in weeks past, yeah, it's a great spot for him. But at 6,500, you're playing him because of the matchup, which is fine. And because he is performing well each game, 18.83 fantasy points per game is definitely respectable. But do I think I hit a ceiling for 30 points out of Josh Allen in a game this week? I don't think so. So I'm not going to get there as much. So we're going to go back to making him a no, and everybody can go on tilt. Cool. On to the next one, running backs. Yeah, running backs, I took a lot of time this week to look at. Christian McCaffrey, I do like. San Francisco, sure. They're going to look like they're the best defensive front in the league, and they do force a lot of pressure, and they have been good against running backs. But on a per-touch basis, running backs have been okay, over four yards per carry, and now you have Christian McCaffrey coming to town. The reason why they're not giving up a ton of total rushing yards is because teams aren't running on them. You don't want to know why? Well, the 49ers have been leading by two or more scores um, in the far majority of their games. The second most rushing attempts against them at, at 112 or the second least, you know, has the least the Patriots at a hundred and, um, I believe, uh, about 109 or it's 117 for the 49ers and 112 for the Patriots. It's somewhere in that range, but pretty much at the bottom two. And the correlation there is, well, they're both undefeated and they're both leading games by a lot of points. So teams can't actually run against them because it doesn't make sense for time of possession. You need quicker strikes. You're trailing. It doesn't make sense to be running the ball. And also this, this defensive front is good. But now when you have Christian McCaffrey coming off a bye, should be fully healthy. He's a guy who's seeing 29 opportunities per game. All the red zone rushing attempts that he wants, over 20. I think he leads the slate, tied with a couple of guys at 24, tied with Fournette um, for 24. So it's a good spot for McCaffrey. I'm not too scared about the matchup overall. Yes, San Fran has been good. Yes, their pressure is good. Yes, their secondary is good. The run defense, it's very meh. And now you have maybe the best fantasy, the probably the best fantasy running back coming to town. I do like him at 9,200 if you can afford it. Saquon Barkley at 8900 for all the reasons about talking about McCaffrey, I'd rather just get there for $300 more. If you're running a Detroit stack, Saquon is a fine running back option. Even as a running back, we know his upside there. And Detroit is allowing 32.7 fantasy points per game to the running back position, the second most on the slate only behind the Bengals. So it is a very good spot for Saquon. Um, it is a spot where Evan Ingram is going to be a week healthier. Hopefully Saquon's leg and ankle really is going to be another week healthy. I don't really trust the um, Jones all that much, Daniel Jones, but Detroit doesn't force that much pressure. So that should help him not fumble the ball away, Daniel Jones, or throw picks, keep these drives alive, allow Saquon to get some goal line carries. 
Look, Leonard Fournette against the Jets. The Jets are getting a little bit healthier on defense. They're allowing the uh, top 10 rushing yards per game, running backs to have a lot of receptions. Um, but what you have this week is a very bad matchup for just run blocking advantage, according to Pro Football Focus. You have Jacksonville has the worst in the on the week. Now, for the most part, they've had some pretty bad matchups, and Fournette has been very ineffective for the first half of the year. And as of late, he's been much more effective in some beneficial matchups. With the Jets getting healthier, and we'll track C.J. Mosley's status for this week. We'll track Henry Anderson's status. I do think at 7,800, he's still a fine play. He's seeing the second most opportunities per game, over 25, only second behind Christian McCaffrey. And look, he's $7,800 as a six-point favorite. Um, you're going to have a floor on this guy somewhere. He's averaging about seven fantasy points per game in the receiving game. If your floor on him is like five points in just his receptions... That's a very good spot for a guy with one touchdown. As I continue to harp on it, he will be con- continue to score more touchdowns each and every week. The Jets have allowed the most rushing touchdowns in the league at eight. That is eight in six weeks. That's a lot. So Leonard Fournette, 24 red zone rushing attempts, leads the slate with a couple other guys, like I just mentioned, McCaffrey being one of them. This is a good spot for some touchdown regression. I like Fournette. Latavius Murray, depending on when you're watching this, maybe Alvin Kamara practices. Maybe he hasn't. If This is very much contingent. If Alvin Kamara, and get this, just make sure you're listening up. If Alvin Kamara is out, I really like Latavius Murray in this spot as a nine and a half point favorite against Arizona, who's giving up a lot of receptions um, as of late to running backs. Uh, yes, at 5,800, he becomes one of the better values, if not the best value on the slate. We'll talk about another guy in a second. If Alvin Kamara plays, I have interest in Alvin Kamara then at a cheap price tag of 7,600, and I might get there more often than I get to Fournette. Um, but as of right now, we don't know. Kamara didn't practice on Wednesday. It seems like a high ankle sprain, which I would bet does not mean he plays this weekend. But again, Thursday and Friday practice reports will tell us more. Todd Gurley at 7,400. I like it a lot. I like Todd Gurley a lot this week, folks. Look, this is a Cincinnati team that continues to struggle. Most rushing yards allowed in the league by a wide margin. Second most reception, second most receiving touchdowns, second most receiving yards. Uh, I said most rushing yards, most rushing, rushing attempts, most rushing touchdowns, or second most rushing touchdowns. It's everything. They're bottom two in everything. And what they're the worst that is fantasy points per game, 33.8 to the running back position. 33.8. We saw Fournette have a very good week last game last week, even though he didn't put up any monster numbers. I do like Todd Gurley this week. Oh, but Sal, Todd Gurley's leg, Todd Gurley's leg, his his hip, his groin, his whatever. He played 61% of the snaps last week. I get it. That's not the 93% he played in the game before that, right? Or the last game that he played because he was injured for one of them. He saw 19 touches. 19 touches is not a limited workload. And if it is, well, then I'm happy he has another week of full practices to log because then he's probably going to see like 30 touches. Look, if he gets back to his 75 and 30 touches is obviously just me trying to make the point there. If he gets back to his normal workload around 70 plus percent of the snaps, he played 93% two weeks ago. If he sees anywhere near that, and Malcolm Brown is trending towards out again, Daryl Henderson Jr. will be the backup. Um, you better believe that Todd Gurley is going to see 20 plus touches and he's a 13 point favorite at home. 7,400. I get it. You're all worried about the injuries. I get it. If he practices in full at least once this week, I feel very confident about Todd Gurley seeing 20 plus touches in a game where his team has a team implied total of 30.75 as a 13 point favorite. It doesn't get much better for a running back, especially at home. It doesn't get much better for a running back in terms of an environment. And people are going to shy away from him right now, only 5% owned because of injury concerns. He touched the ball 19 times last week. I'm not concerned about no injury. On to the next one. Ty Johnson, $4,900 against the Giants. I like it a lot. Um, it's a good spot for Ty Johnson. He played over 60% of the snaps. I get it. People are worried about, oh, but JT, JD McKissick's going to split the load. No, he's not. Ty Johnson's the rookie that they like. JD McKissick's just some guy that they picked up off the street. They want to date JD McKissick. They want him in their rotations. They just are using right now JD McKissick or Ty Johnson. They're just using JD McKissick. 
I think that Ty Johnson is completely fine to trust here for 65% of the load or so, if not more. He's going to be more active in the receiving game. I get it. J.D. McKissick is fine on a per-touch basis in his career, like 60 feet, th- 65 carries for 4.7 yards per carry, but he's been on three teams in three years, and he's always just kind of a journeyman third string running back. I'm not too worried. I think you're going to see every opportunity for Ty Johnson to compete, and at $4,900, I do like that. More times than not, I think Ty Johnson touches the ball 15 times in this game, where indeed his team is a seven-point touchdown favorite against the Giants, who have no pass rush, have no passing defense, and oh yeah, aren't the greatest on the ground. The Detroit Lions have a top three run blocking advantage on the slate this week. Ty Johnson at $4,900. He's not a lock because Latavius Murray's $900 more in a very good spot if Kamara's out. But Ty Johnson's in a good spot, in my opinion. And then some maybes. Uh, if you can't see the sheet because you're on the audio version, Tevin Coleman's a maybe. I think he's a decent pivot off Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson's only 8% owned as of right now on Friday. But if that changes and he comes up and somehow gets chalky, Tevin Coleman becomes a pivot. But for right now, no real interest in getting to Tevin Coleman over Ty Johnson unless ownership changes. I think David Johnson's worth mentioning at 4,400 or David Montgomery. He's worth mentioning. And why is he worth mentioning? Um, well, the main reason why is he saw two carries last week and they're going to have to change that because did you see the way Mitch Trubisky played? Yeah, Mitch Trubisky was overthrowing everybody. You don't run the ball just five times. I get it. The Saints are a fantastic defensive line that they played last week, but you don't run the ball just five times um, and two with your your star or your rookie running back that you've been raving about. I think that they get that turned around this week in a beneficial matchup. $4,400, it's a Millie Maker type play only. It's very risky, but I do think that he goes from seeing two carries back to his double digits to 15 carries roll. And nobody will be playing him. Marlon Mack is an okay spot. Actually, I'm going to put Marlon Mack as a no. At $6,100, I just don't want that. Um, I respect Denver's run defense. It's ranked number one on pro football focus. Yes, Latavius Murray destroyed them. They had two players injured. Two of their better players injured in their front seven that week. Or not Latavius Murray, Leonard Fournette. Um, And other than that, they've been very good on the ground. I don't want to play Marlon Mack against them. And it's not so much about Marlon Mack. If Latavius Murray plays, I prefer him. I prefer saving a ton of money and getting to Ty Johnson. Um, And otherwise, from there, I would just rather pay up. Le'Veon Bell at 6,900 and Chris Carson at 7K. These two are both question marks for me. Le'Veon Bell's matchup is a little bit worrisome here. And the idea that he's not catching as many balls the last two weeks, just two total receptions on five targets. He's running pretty much the same amount of routes. Instead of 28 and a half, he's been running 25 and a half. So no real major dink there. He's just not catching the balls. They're not scheming as well, whatever it might be. They played the Patriots last week. So four targets in one catch. Maybe that's why the defense was just a little bit overpowering for Sam Darnold in general. And they weren't really moving the ball all that much. He performed well on the ground, 15 carries, 75 yards i'm not overreacting to the recent hit to his role i think he's a fine play he's 6900 i prefer todd Gurley for 500 more um i prefer latavius murray for 900 less so i have him as a maybe and not a yes same exact reasoning for chris carson chris carson's facing atlanta they're a top eight run defense and the way you beat atlanta is by throwing the ball chris carson surely is a favorite a road favorite by almost a touchdown five and a half point favorite team has a 29.5 team total based on his usage seeing pretty much in 20 carries per game right now and last week he played 89 percent of the snaps Rashad penny was healthy only played three percent it's the chris carson show right now in seattle the concern is that you see Seattle throw the ball a little bit more here, and Atlanta has a very good run defense right now. Um, Jared, in the middle of that defensive line for Atlanta, is the top. He's top five. I think he's fourth in just run stop ability on a defensive lineman for a defensive lineman in this league. He's been fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so Chris Carson, Le'Veon Bell, they're maybe's for me. If you play them, I think it's completely fine. Pretty much whatever exposure I get to them, if I run 150 lineups, I'll be. I'll look at it, and if it's like 20, percent I'll say okay, that's good. If it's like 17, 13, I'll say that's good. If it's 24, I'll say okay, that's fine. Whatever I get. I'll be okay with that. I'm just not going out of my way to prioritize him like I am for guys like Latavius Murray, Todd Gurley, and even potentially Ty Johnson. On to the wide receivers page. Well, there's a lot to talk about here because of matchups. Tyler Lockett's a good matchup. I don't think you have to just play, play him with only um, 
You don't just have to play him with his quarterback. You can play him as a one-off at 7,000. I probably won't, though. I think there's better options. And let me tell you, there's so many options below $5,500 and really below 5,000 that are in play this week at the wide receiver position. So Tyler Lockett's fine. Kenny Galladay, a very good matchup. He'll get DeAndre Baker on the outside, which we talked about a little bit earlier. It's a very beneficial matchup for Kenny Galladay. And as I pull up that exact matchup for him, so far DeAndre Baker this season, 24 receptions, 409 yards allowed, three touchdowns. He has 144.6 pass rating against him. Out of anybody who's played 150 or more coverage snaps, he is the worst in the league. Out of anybody who's played 100 or more coverage snaps, he's the second worst in the league at pass rating and just what his defense is. Now he has Kenny Galladay coming to town. The two targets that Kenny Galladay saw last week on 45 Stafford pass attempts, it's just a spot where I think it was fluky. I'm not too worried about it. John Brown will probably see some Jalen Mills, but other than that, the secondary for Philly has been terrible. John Brown's fine. Brandon Cooks, I love Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is the best 5K wide receiver play. He might be the best 5 and 6K wide receiver play this week. At $5,700, he gets to face Cincinnati this week. Brandon Cooks matchup this week, it might not get any better than any other week. He's back at home where his touchdown home and road splits are completely shifted and so are Jared Goff's. He has a very weak matchup. I was talking about the Cincinnati secondary being down with Drake Kirkpatrick still and probably William Jackson the third. Now you get Brandon Cooks to face Tony McRae. Tony McRae on limited snaps on 13 targets has allowed 11 receptions, 11 receptions on 13 targets. I mean, he's just not defending. And then he's allowed 129 yards for a touchdown, 133.7 pass rating against Brandon Cook's 40 time compared to Tony Moncray is nowhere even close. This is going to be a, a spot where Brandon Cooks has not had a better matchup all season long. And if there's any spot for him to excel, it's this one. Now, obviously, the concerns are in the second half. They don't throw the ball. They're up ahead, whatever. But this is a very good matchup for a $5,700 wide receiver. I like Brandon Cooks a lot. I already talked about how I like Kenny Stills. I like stacking this Houston team in general. So, yes, I like the, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's a little bit lower down. I also like um, Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills, we talked about how Conley, the guy, the cornerback the for um, Oakland Raiders, is now on Houston. They picked up that defensive back. So it's going to be a weaker secondary now every single time that they go out there and face up against this secondary I'm pulling up now my stats just on, or my notes on what this matchup specifically is going to be. So for Houston, for Kenny Stills, he's probably going to get Daryl Worley just based on size and speed. Um, and he has a, and this is, this is a huge advantage. Kenny Stills has a, he ran a 4.3840. Worley has a 4.64. So in terms of speed, if there's any time where there's more time for Watson as he improvises to kind of have a couple more seconds for Kenny Stills to get deep down the field, maybe a deep post route. Kenny Stills should be able to deliver on that. He has a huge speed advantage on all these cornerbacks, especially Worley, who should be on them the most because they're going to put, quote unquote, maybe their best cornerback that's left on DeAndre Hopkins and probably a double team, but it's not really going to work. All these guys in the secondary are terrible. Just ask Aaron Rodgers last week, but Kenny Stills against Worley. Worley has allowed 265 yards and two touchdowns this year on 35 targets. Uh, it's a really good matchup for Kenny Stills and a really nice price point. While we're talking about Houston, DeAndre Hopkins should get to go up against uh, Trayvon Mullins, who so far this year in just one game of coverage on five targets, he allowed four receptions, 35, 34 yards and a touchdown. Um, obviously, it's a small sample as he's filling in for Conley, who was just traded 134.6 pass rating against. Now he has to face DeAndre Hopkins. Surely we'll have safety help, but still good matchup for those guys. Christian Kirk, if he's playing and he's going to go up against New Orleans, it's somewhat of a scary spot, but I'll take Christian Kirk there at the reduced price point. I think I prefer Kenny Stills though as a deeper target downfield. Man, I really like these Tennessee wide receivers this week. These Tennessee wide receivers, in my opinion, are in a very, very beneficial matchup. You have Ryan Tannehill throwing them the ball, which is worrisome, but Tampa Bay's secondary is a run funnel or a pass funnel. They're a very good run defense, which means not relying on Derrick Henry this game and throwing the ball maybe a little bit more, maybe 35 to 40 times for Tannehill. Seems scary, but if that's the case, these wide receivers are going to flourish. Corey Davis in a a game and a half with Tannehill has seen 11 targets. 
A.J. Brown in a game and a half with Tannehill has seen 10 targets. They're getting a lot of volume from this guy. A.J. Brown is going up against Vernon Hargraves, who so far this season has allowed, he's one of the worst cornerbacks in the league, if not the worst, 28 receptions for three for 434 yards and two touchdowns on 37 targets, 120.8 pass rating against. You have right now Brown a little bit cheaper than Davis, so I do prefer him for the $300 savings, but I think both these guys are very much in play. Brown has 22 pounds. He's 226 pounds. He's six foot flat. He has 22 pounds on Hargraves, who's only 204 pounds, and he has a lot of speed. He's a rare combination like Julio of size and speed. That's one of his comps. Uh, This is a very good matchup for A.J. Brown. And then Corey Davis right there as well. Corey Davis also has a very good matchup against Carlton Davis, not his brother. No, no relationship there. Carlton Davis and Corey Davis. Corey Davis is going to be going up against him. He also has a speed advantage of 4.4. It was never reported, but unreportedly, because uh, he never ran the combine. Corey Davis, a 4.440, a 4.53 for Carlton. These receivers are very fast and big on the outside. And they have fantastic matchups. So far, Carlton this season has allowed 20 receptions, 223 yards, and a touchdown. I like both these guys. You can stack them. Just don't stack a lot. You don't need to. They're both 2% owned. I think that in general, I would rather just use them as one-offs. I prefer A.J. Brown, but I also really like Corey Davis. So they're both 2% owned. Like These are just tournament-winning type plays at low ownership. So if you're playing 50 lineups, don't go playing them in every single one. They're one in, they're like 1.5% and 2% owned right now. You can just play like five of them, and you're going to be double or triple the field. Okay, Mike Evans is the last guy that I like. I like Mike Evans' matchup on the outside against Malcolm Butler. Uh, Mike Evans right now, and this is a spot where I somewhat get to Jameis a little bit more, only because I have interest in Mike Evans, and I have interest in uh, Chris Goblin's matchups individually so far. So Mike Evans is the one I like a little bit more. On the outside, like him to, likely to see Malcolm Butler. Uh, right now, Malcolm Butler has given up 375 yards and three touchdowns this year, 105.8 pass rating against. He's giving up 4.1 receptions, 53.6 yards per game, and 0.43 touchdowns per game just himself. That's not even taking into account the rest of the secondary. Malcolm Butler, it's just crazy that the Patriots and Bill Belichick know exactly when to get rid of a guy. Malcolm Butler has been terrible. And now you have a 231-pound, five Mike Evans coming to town. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very scary for Malcolm Butler. And the reason Malcolm Butler will be on him and not Adore Jackson, who's been better this season, is Malcolm Butler's just bigger size-wise. Like, Adore Jackson might get thrown around by Mike Evans. So uh, it's not a shadow matchup. They'll both see him, but pr- see him, but primarily it'll be Malcolm Butler. And then just some other guys. There's like a list of them that I have some interest in. Larry Fitzgerald, slight interest. He probably leans more so to a no because there's so much value. Cooper Cup, if you want to pay up, is fine, especially if you're going to stack the Rams. I prefer his cheaper counterpart with probably more upside in this matchup in a Brandon Cooks. Cortland Sutton, no Emmanuel Sanders. It really shouldn't change much for Sutton other than maybe he sees like another target per game, Um, but it shouldn't change all that much. Maybe some more red zone targets, of course, be the main guy there, but he has already been the main guy and he's not going to change his role. Sanders was on the right side of the field. Sutton's been primarily on the left side of the field with Deshaun Hamilton in the slot. So nothing's really changing outside of Fred Brown now being starting on the right side of the field, probably with some other guys filling into that spot and then a rotation aspect. Alex Everton, I think is a good play at 3,700. Um, I think he's better for cash, right? $3,700. If he gets like eight to 10 points, he doesn't burn you. Or in a tournament, you need him to do what he did last week. And that was a career game. He was quoted to say the best game he's ever had in any form of football, any level. So I don't know if he's going to repeat that in back-to-back weeks. Um, so I'm not going to go back to Alex Erickson, who he's not going to see Jalen Ramsey or Robbie Coleman, but he'll see parts of them at times. Um, he'll have the best matchup on the field against probably Troy Hill. Uh, so I think it's a beneficial spot for Alex Erickson. I just want to put him in a GPP because I don't even think he can score 15 plus points again. And I need that. Uh, Chris Goblin is in a good spot. Look, it's a tough matchup against Logan Ryan. Um, but size wise, Chris Goblin has over, he has 15 pounds on him. Logan Ryan's been very good this year. He's been able to hold up a ton of targets in the slot. But 
That being said, Godwin is like one of the biggest receivers he's faced, if not the biggest, coming off a bye. I like both these Tampa Bay receivers. I prefer Mike Evans for a cheaper price point even as well. Uh, But Godwin, you don't have to run away from him. Keenan Allen, look, he's only averaging 40 yards per week over the last four weeks. He had 61 yards in the first half, half last week. And really, there's not much for me to say in terms of what's going good for him. Uh, Because there's not much the last month of the season. His offensive line has been terrible. It's hurting Phillip Rivers. They're turning the ball over. They're relying a lot on short passes to Eckler in the last two weeks. Getting Hunter Henry back has surely not helped the floor and ceiling of Keenan Allen. But he's still Keenan Allen, and he's 6,400, and he's going to be 5% owned. I'm going right back to Keenan Allen this week in some spots. Not high, but if he's 5% owned and I get 10%, I'm double the field. I have a lot of leverage, but it doesn't kill my lineups if he doesn't produce. That's a spot I feel comfortable getting to Keenan Allen. And then some other guys, Allen Robinson, DJ Shark, and Tyler Boyd. Uh, Tyler Boyd's very cheap, but there's a lot of cheap guys this week, right? A lot of guys in that 4K or 5K and below range that I like. I should also add Mohamed Sanua. He's not on here, but Mohamed Sanua is a final guy that I like a lot. Finally, we'll be able to play on the outside. He's been the primary slot receiver for the Falcons the last couple of years because Julio's on the outside and Ridley, uh, Ridley for the last year and a half. But now he'll go to the outside. Julian Edelman will be in the slot with Dorsett on the other side. I do like Sanua at $4,000 flat. I actually think that's a very good play. Moving over to tight end. If you're still watching, make sure to hit the link down below um, and hit that link for Fantasy Draft if you want to check out that link. It helps me out. But also check out my exclusive content. Hit the subscribe button. I really, really would love to get to 15,000 subscribers by the end of the month and get an extra $100 donated um, to the charity that is linked up down below in the description. My tight end pool is very small this week. Darren Waller and Austin Hooper, I think, are the two best plays on the week. If Matt Ryan plays, I like a lot of Austin Hooper for those stacks with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Austin Hooper primarily. If not, I like running back a lot of my Houston stacks with Darren Waller. I'm going to have a lot of ownership of both of those guys. I think they're both underpriced. Sure, George Kittle is fine. He's at 6,500. I have him as a no. I guess you can put him as a maybe if you really want to. He should still see around seven targets. But the matchup individually for Darren Waller against Tejon Gibson, who's injured, he might not even play, is a good one. And the matchup for Austin Hooper this week is also a good one. And then I factor in that I really like stacking those teams. I want to stack Houston. So if I want to run it back with another player from the other team, I get to Darren Waller. I want to stack Atlanta if Matt Ryan plays. And I want to stack them with probably Julio Jones and then Austin Hooper based on individual matchups. You can get the Ridley if you want. Those are the two that I like a little bit more. I'm not sure if Ridley will stay on the outside primarily and have a tough matchup against Griffin or if they'll move him immediately into the slot and take over for Sanu. I don't really want to risk that one. Uh, Evan Ingram's an okay play. So is Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, a tough matchup in Buffalo, but his own defense. And Buffalo's been good against tight ends. Um, They held Evan Ingram to a floor game. But then other than that, the best tight ends they've faced is Delaney Walker and Mike Gusecki. Not much skill right there. So Zach Ertz in a spot where he might be double teamed a little bit more but against his own defense they will funnel to the tight end so beneficial for him but at that $5,100 price point just get to Hooper or Waller honestly Evan Ingram against Detroit it's a fine matchup it's nothing fantastic I don't really trust Daniel Jones as much as I trust Matt Ryan and honestly Derek Carr because when Derek Carr throws the tight ends the last two years um He's been fantastic, whether it's Jared Cook last year or Darren Waller this year, looking really good. And then the other guys who are in play is pretty much Hunter Henry. I don't really want Gerald Everett. I know it's a really good matchup uh, in terms of Cincinnati secondary, uh, especially just in general. There are leaking points everywhere, but they've been decently solid against tight ends. And I think that you get more production out of a guy like Hunter Henry. He's going to be like what? The number two or three option in an offense for 40 for in the 4K range, or Gerald Everett is like the number five option behind those three wide receivers and Todd Gurley. And then when you move up the chain, Darren Waller's the number one option. Austin Hooper's the number two option behind Julio, if not the number one option this year for Matt Ryan. Evan Ingram is the number one or two with Saquon. Zach Ertz is the number one in that offense. Like, I want those guys more than I want the other guys below that. I know George Kittle is also the number one, right? Even with Emmanuel Sanders there. But that team just runs so many players in their rotation. And also, taking into account the price point, I think that the same upside, if not more, is there for Hooper and Waller for a cheaper price point. So that's where I'm at with tight end. And that's the final thoughts for Week 8, gang. Hey, 
Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I will leave it on the target offense sheet. Um, check out my NBA videos if you haven't yet. I'm going to be trying to pump them out every single day. So far, we are three for three on the season, right? Uh, only like 100 more to go. But thank you. I really appreciate it. I love doing this. Check out my appearance Monday on the Pat Mayo Experience. Check me out on the Awesome YouTube channel on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and also Wednesdays now for NBA. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for the NFL. If you're still listening and you want $100 off my daily fantasy NFL course, get it for $50 instead of $150. Drop a comment on this video. I'll only let the people who listen to the end know about that offer. Drop a comment on the video and I will send you the link in that comment. Uh, it will expire. Uh, it'll be like a day's link, so then it'll expire. But check it out if you are willing to. You can just check out the link if you don't want to buy it. Also, check out my exclusive content link down below. A little self-promotion here at the end, but why not? Follow me on Twitter at DFS. Follow me on Instagram at SalVetri. Not my dad. Follow me. Right? It's the same exact picture as all my other stuff. Blue background, my face. Just doing a little chin pose, you know, for everybody. I didn't think that I would ever get this big, so I didn't think I had to worry about that. But now we got to keep it, right? Everybody knows what I look like in that picture, so it's a little bit of a branding thing. And then follow me on Facebook, Sal Vetri Facebook page. Those are all the social medias, whatever you got to do. Like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you could leave a five-star rate and review, I really appreciate it. Whatever platform you're on, if you could leave a five-star rate and review, I will compose all of those. If you leave your fantasy draft handle, you will be entered into a contest that I will announce on Saturday for a winner of a free entry into the contest. So my name is Sal. Thank you all for listening to this podcast, watching this video. Peace out, YouTube. Peace out, Spotify, whatever it might be, Stitcher, Apple, whatever, whatever. My name's Sal. You already know that. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.